the greatest demand, the greatest need today is to believe in God. But it's not God as you see him. It's God as he's revealed in the word. And that's important because you can go to programs <clears throat> where they tell you to seek out your higher power as you see him. And so that higher power may be, hey, a little bit of everything, a little bit of nothing. And, and that's not the way it is. The scripture tells us that we must believe, but we believe in the God of the Holy Scripture and how perfect this choir interpreted it in their music and in their presentation. Our greatest demand, the greatest need on the face of the earth today is to believe in God. Now the scripture I read has to do because faith is our access to God. It's not your denomination. It's not your religious or, or orientation. It's not if you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, if you're Episcopalian, if you're, that's not it. If you're Pentecostal, that's not it. Our, our, our faith has got to be in God and we must believe in God as the scripture presents it. And so that belief is very simple. In the Old Testament, God the Creator, Jehovah the Lord God Almighty. And it's not the Jehovah of the Jehovah Witnesses, because the Jehovah of the Jehovah Witnesses totally leaves out Jesus Christ. They carry him right on into the very end of time and to the great fights and the great battles. It's not that way. It's not that way. Jehovah is the name, one of the names, and he's got over 13 names. So you can choose all the different names of God, Elohim, and, and, and so many others. And now to Jehovah, you've got Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Puranisai, you've got all of them. He, he is the Lord God. And it's important to know that. Because I meet so many people that have religion like scrambled eggs. And they throw in a little of this and they throw in a little of that and they give you a little pepper and they give you a little salt. Only so that you can, uh, you can grasp onto something that you recognize. Ah, it's okay. It's not okay. You've got to know, thus saith the word of God. Now, faith is our access to God. It's our access to God. God promised to Eve that although she had committed that mistake, and, and A Adam, thank you, I was going to call Abel, sorry Abel. Uh, Adam, Adam followed in her suit, and had it been the other way, that's the way it would have happened. Adam would have eaten, and... and, and her name, Eve, thank you. It's getting a little difficult. Eve would have uh, followed in suit. So, so don't get hung up on the man or the woman or the woman and the man. Uh, the Apostle Paul gets pretty hung up on it, but that's not, he doesn't hurt my feelings because it's just a matter of that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Now, God gave this promise to Eve and she believed it. She believed it. If she hadn't believed it, when Cain mar married, thank you. I think I'm going to turn around and preach this way. <laughs> when Cain murdered Abel, when Cain murdered Abel, had, had Eve been a woman without faith, had she been a woman without the promise, had she been a woman that, uh, hey, forget it. But she wasn't. And that's why her next son is called Seth, the son of the promise. 
the, the continuation of God's word. Uh, God's giving. So it, it, it's so matchless. I, I want you to see how faith is the access to God. How faith is the way we reach God. And then we come to Jacob. Well, you can first come, let's go to Abraham. The scripture says that uh, Abraham, God called him and he obeyed. And he had quite a traveling situation. And he went from place to place and finally came to Canaan, where God wanted him to be. Now, when he arrived at Canaan, then God took him out. And this is where I say God is so romantic. I love that verse in the 12th chapter where God, you know, tells him, get out of your tent and look up to the starry sky. To me, that's romantic. A night filled with stars. Ah, what can I tell you? Nothing can beat it. And so he was looking at the stars and God made him the promise uh, as the stars of the heaven. And as the sands of the sea, you say, oh, that's quite an exaggeration. But don't you know, the only way we learn is through exaggeration. Yeah, things have to be brought out much bigger uh, uh, so that we are able to see. And that's why repetition becomes the secret of learning. Uh, hey, a child, you don't tell a child something and he knows it right away. No, 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 no. How many times did you recite the alphabet when you were in first, second, and third grade? A million times. And right now, after we've been out for so long, we've got to go back and recite it again. Because I lose a couple of letters every now and then. Don't know where they are. So we have to understand that God said to, it said to Abraham in such a beautiful way that he would make him a blessing to the whole world. Can you imagine that? You're going to be a blessing to all the nations. And the scripture says this. He believed God. And that's it. That's the secret. Believe God. When God talks, believe him. You read it, believe it. You say, oh, Sister Amy, it's so hard. So many problems, so many this. I, 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 I'm, I'm not always free to believe. No te des tanta importancia. You've got to be free to believe. You've got to be free to believe. It's the most important thing in your life. And the scripture said he believed God. Wow. And then the Bible says, and, and every time you see that word righteousness, just ch change it for the word saved. And it was counted for righteousness. He was saved. You believe God, you're saved. Has anybody ever asked you the question, are you saved? And you feel kind of ridiculous. You wonder if you have to go through your whole uh, standard of faith. Uh, you, you wonder how you have to explain it. Oh, his righteousness saves us. We are saved. And don't be afraid to say, are you saved? Yes, I am saved. And somebody will live. <laughs> saved from what? Smile back and say, from you. <laughs> I mean, don't let it get past you. Yeah. Right, because the most important thing we have is our faith. Some yo-yo is going to come and take it away from us. It, 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 and it happens. You start to feel guilty for believing. You start to scratch your head and wonder. No, don't, don't, don't. Then we have the case of faith, our access to God. I think of Jacob. When I studied the life of Jacob, I didn't like Jacob, and I didn't know why anybody called their kids Jacob. You should call him Israel, not Jacob. Jacob's the wrong name. Oh, I'm sorry if there are any Jacobs here. We'll, we'll, work, we'll work on the name. Well, anyway, the thing is 
what, what, what happens? What happens? Why, why are you picking on Jacob? I'm picking on Jacob because there is another synonym involved here. There's another connection that's similar. When does Jacob get saved? He was born in the holy line. He belonged to the holy family. He is one of the holy patriarchs. ¿Qué más? What else does he have to be? He wasn't totally surrendered. You see, that's where our faith becomes a joke. And we've got to be careful. We've got to be totally surrendered. And you say, Sister Amy, what do you mean? I gotta walk around like a saint? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get holy overnight? No, 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 no. Your surrender has to do with giving yourself totally up to God within the measure of your faith, within the measure of your knowledge. Do you understand what I mean? In other words, you say, Sister Amy, I'm not a strong Christian, I'm weak. Well, turn that weakness over. Give it to God. That's surrender. No, but all I did was give him my weakness. No, well, give it to him. Because if you give him your weakness, he in turn will give you his strength. But if you turn, don't turn over your weakness, you'll be weak forever. Do you understand what's happening? Faith is not something God wants to catch you in. Faith is something God wants to give you because it's appetizing enough for us to say, I want it. Oh, faith is so good, folks. Faith is so healthy. Faith takes such a load off your back. Faith makes you know that he does it and not you. And what a blessing. The day you find out that you're not in charge in this sense of saving yourself, he already took care of that. It is so marvelous. It is so marvelous. He's in charge. Well, if he's in charge, surrender. That's why the, most the greatest moment in Jacob's life was when he became Israel. And how did he become Israel? When God said, let go of me. The angel said that. That was God wrestling with him. And he said to God, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. And he didn't. And he was hit by the angel, by the good Lord. And I love that next verse. He crossed Kidron limping and limped till he died. And that limp just happened to be the sign of his surrender. So don't be afraid to limp. Watch the whole church go walk out limping now. <laughs> don't be afraid. When God gives you something that kind of throws the keel over. You know why we have most of our spiritual battles? Because we don't surrender. We want to be king on high. We want to be queen for a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime. We want to sit around on our own throne and command. Well, you can't. You can't. Matter of fact, you know what God says? He said it to Peter. If he had said it to me, I would have left. If he had said it to me, I wouldn't have been one of the 12. He says, Peter, one of these days, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. You're going to walk where you've never asked to walk. One of these days, 
exactly what happened to me over there is going to happen to you. He got so scared, looked up and saw John. He says, what about him? Because we don't want to go alone. <laughs> we don't want to go alone. If somebody's going to fall, we want to fall with him. Or he fall with us. And that's where Jesus said to Peter so carefully with such great love. It's none of your business what happens to him. It's just you. Isn't that mar marvelous? Our access to God is through faith. Just believing him. That's why faith is so beautiful. You don't, you don't have to share it in the sense of what is yours. Do you understand what I mean? You don't have to share it. You say, Sister Amy, we have to sow the seed. Yes, yes, yes. But what faith is yours? Don't give it away. It is yours. It is your treasure. Hang on to it. Cover it. Cover it with all of your life. Uh, uh, what shall I say? Let it grow within you. Let it be your light. Let it be your strength. Let it be. You say, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to share our faith? No, you keep your faith. And you share the seed of the gospel, which will be giving faith to somebody else. Now, this is important. It, it's very important. Now, this, this the scripture said, and that's what you read about, faith can be renewed. So if you say, Sister Amy, I don't know where, but along the track somewhere, I lost my faith. Well, thank God that the Bible says that your faith can be renewed. Jesus, or better said, the Jews cut themselves off through unbelief. They did. They cut themselves off. But Jesus says, don't worry about that. Because when they were cut off, you were grafted in. Isn't that great? We're on this immense, immense grafting of this glorious tree that reaches to heaven. Why? Because our faith grafted us in. Just the way Abraham, just the way Jacob, these are men before the law. Uh, just the way uh, uh, Eve believed. These were men, be, men and women before the law. Just the way they believed. We can believe. There's nothing stopping us. Now, if the Jews believed, we can compare them to ourselves. Because if, if, they, if they went through their experience of unbelief, can they be renewed? Jesus says, yeah. And guess what? There's room in the same branch to graft them in. That's why I love some of the Jewish people that get up and give testimony and say, I am a completed Jew. I like that. I, I like that. Because a Jew isn't completed until he has Jesus in his heart. Jesus is Messiah. That was the hope and that was the great importance. Now let, let, me, let me share this with you. The scripture tells us that God's mercy is unbelievable. I want to just read that 34th, that 34th uh, verse in, in 11 because it's, it's too much. It says the following, who can know? We're talking now about God's mercy. We're talking about the unbelievable, the wonderful, the past finding out about God. And in this 34th verse, it says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Now it's beautiful because it answers the question. I want you to know as you study the writings of Paul, this is one of his literary arts. He has a, an art style 
in his literary presentation in which he does everything with questions and answers. He asks the question and he answers the question. You know, shall we remain in sin that grace might grow? Oh, never. That is not the way it is. Because he speaks about how, how overwhelming grace is. When sin abounds, grace overabounds, superabounds. Ah, well, if it superabounds, then we can stay in sin. Because then it'll come and superabound. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. Oh, it's so beautiful. Now, his literary art takes us. Now, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? You know what I love about this? It answers all the questions of sheer sarcasm that this world gives us. And the world does give us sarcastic. Who can know the mind of the Lord? The answer is his mind is unsearchable, so no one can. Who has ever given to God? that God should ever repay him. And I wrote this down and I think you'll enjoy it. He owes no one nothing. Isn't that marvelous? God owes no, nobody nothing. You know, some people think that God owes them something. God owes you nothing and listen to this. And he can't be bribed or induced. Isn't that interesting? We do it. Sometimes our, our times of fasting become bribes. Lord, I'm going to fast today, and tomorrow you're going to answer my prayer. Well, you can, you can, you can, you can go on fasting till Jesus comes, and you will neither bribe him nor induce him. Prayer is only for, uh, uh, fasting is for only one reason, and keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. It's so that your spirit and my spirit are made ready for prayer. It's eliminating breakfast and praying and reading the Bible, eliminating lunch, praying and reading the Bible. In other words, it's changing material food for spiritual food. That's all it is. That's all it is. You say, oh, but the Bible says that this kind of demon don't come out unless we fast and pray. Yeah, no, unless you got to go to the original Greek, unless you have a life of fasting and prayer. A life of fasting and prayer. Not that you stop for that minute and take care of this. No, no, no. A life of fasting and prayer. So if God called you to a life of fasting and prayer, it's to give you power that demons might be cast out so that bodies might be healed so that miracles and wonders would be produced in the body of the Lord because that is his command. Now all, he is our all, Jesus is our all consummate savior. Everything comes from God above. Everything lives by his power. Oh, that 36th verse, it's too much. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be the glory forever. Amen. Whoa. Everything. Everything. We got a God multidimensional. Give me a hectagon. Give me an octagon. Give me a square. Give me a circle. All consummate. Covers every base, covers everything. And everything lives by his power. Everything for his glory. And the Bible says, to him be the glory. Now, what is faith, folks? The answer to this question is found in Hebrews 11. The answer to what is faith is, what is faith? It's the confident assurance 
of what we want. Isn't it interesting? When you pray, pray believing. This is what it means. It's a certainty of what we hope for is waiting for us. You say, Sister Amy, suppose what I hope for isn't right. Suppose what I pray for isn't right. That's all right. That's all right. You pray. God will twist the prayer till it meets the need. Because you don't know and I don't know. Sometimes we pray for healing and God wants to take the person home. Now you and I aren't very, very ready to let them go home, but because it seems so much greater for us, healing, now that's a miracle. He's still alive. He's with us. No, the miracle is to get there. And if it's his will that you get there, don't spend an extra second down here. Matter of fact, beat on anybody that says, come back to life. Scare them to death. No way. No way. Because that's what faith teaches us. Faith teaches us that life does not hold all the secrets. That this isn't the place. This isn't heaven. Now you say, Sister Amy, but, but I want to leave. I want to live. Well, fine. You will live. I promise you, you will live. It's, if you got faith, you have the confident assurance that you'll live. You'll have the certainty that that healing will come through for you. The only thing is always remember, no matter what you ask, thy will be done. Just throw it in there. You say, Sister Amy, sometimes I don't want to throw it in. <laughs> throw it in. Throw it in. It's safe. Even the scripture says, what's faith? Even when it's not visible or seen. In other words, what you're asking for. God will, God knows what you see, although you can't see it. Because God is the only one that can interpret a sigh, that can interpret the sound of your heart and the heartbeat of your existence. He knows what it is you want. He knows what it is you need. So don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't have conflicts in prayer. I used to say, Lord, I want you to do this, but I'm not, I'm not too sure I want it. And if it's your will, do it. Now, if it's not your will, don't do it. And, I, you know, I think, I think God stepped aside and put an angel in charge <laughs> because he really couldn't bother with all my bunglings. Uh, no. Give God your petition. As humble as it is, as sweet as it is, as confused as it is, he'll straighten it out. You just trust him. You just trust him. That's it. Now, why is there an urgency for faith? Why is there an urgency for faith? Because the Bible says no one can please God without it. So you got to have faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God. If you don't, you're crazy. Do you understand what I mean? If you go to God and you don't believe in God, you are crazy. Yeah, and there are a lot of people that are crazy on the face of the earth. you got to believe that he's there. That's the only way. That's the only way. You've got to believe that he is there. And the scripture tells us that. The scripture tells us that. You, we can't please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God. And, and, that he's a rewarder of those who sincerely look for him. What does that mean? It means even if you don't get what you want, God is still going to bless you with something that you never dreamed you wanted, you never dreamed you needed, he will give it to you. Why? Because he is a rewarder 
of those who diligently, sincerely seek him. Oh, I love that. In other words, he's, he's going to come through anyhow. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, I love that. Where does faith begin to take shape in our hearts? Sister Amy, how do, how do, how do I know I'm a person of faith? Well, you got to believe God is who he is. That's how simple it is. You say, well, well I believe in God. Remember El Jibarito? Tú crees en Dios, mijo. ¿Y qué tú crees? Que yo soy un animal. In other words, you know, do you believe in God? He said, what do you think I am, an animal? Well, he's insulted. Why, of course I believe in God. Because belief in God is like a heritage. Belief in God is like something you inherit, something you're given. It, it, it's it, like it came down the pike. You got to believe God's promises. In other words, that God will do what he says. Our concept will trigger the unbelief in us. Not trusting what we see or hear, but trusting God's word. What triggers the unbelief in us? When we don't have a foundation neath the God we're speaking to. You say, well, well wait a minute, I don't understand that. Folks, you've got to understand the character of God. And that's not hard to understand. The character of God is, is everything that's attributed to him. And what is attributed to him? He hears everything. He knows everything. And he answers our prayers and he's waiting for our prayers. That's what the word of God says. Believe God and he'll do what he says. And no matter how much unbelief is being stirred in us, and it is every single day. But don't trust what you see or hear. Go to this book. This is the book that will declare the truth. Go to this book. It's the book that'll tell you, not trusting what we see or hear, but the book. The Bible is the seedbed of faith. It's in the Bible. You may remember what some sweet, lovely old lady told you. You may remember some evening prayers from your grandmother. You may remember some sweet words from your dad or your mom. But that's why I had you recite verses before we took Santa Cena. Why? Because it's this word in your heart. You know, some of us were brought up in very strict, strict legalism. And we don't condone it, we don't preach it, we don't teach it here. But can I tell you something? There were so many things that we were taught that were so good. That when God gave us the permission and when God gave us the open door. To serve him a little closer. In a battle, not in a battle, in, in the grace of love. And in the grace of, of, of his presence, there were so many old things that were so good. Do you realize that in, in about five years, I learned about 500 Bible verses by memory in Spanish. They were mine forever and they're still mine. I shall never forget them. My hair and my braids do not reach my knees as they did then. But listen, I've got a long braid of God's word in my heart, and that's what counts. They taught me the beauty of prayer and of waiting on God. 
There are things I don't do any longer because I know God doesn't require them from me. But there's so many more beautiful things that I do do that I found out. Let me share this with you, and I hope in this conclusion you'll understand me. Faith brings God to us, and the essence of God is love. And if you ever love someone, it's so easy to deal with them, isn't it? When you love your children, when they're doing the way they should do, when they're living the way they should live, there's something beautiful about your children. There's something that, that's overwhelming. Love is the only force that's irrational and it's okay. Isn't it the truth? It's okay. It's irrational, but it's okay. You know, sometimes we can have little arguments on how much to give to God. And sometimes we have these little fights on do you give gross or do you give net when you tithe? And some people say, well, I don't give gross because I don't take gross home. What I take home is net. Yet, when you were signed to the job, you were signed gross. You weren't assigned net. And maybe you, wouldn't have taken, maybe you wouldn't have taken the job if they told you the net. Because that's the way it is. Okay? Now that becomes a problem. And when you're looking at the mathematics of it, oh my God, gross and net. I'm not going to get caught in that trap. I'll, I can barely give net. Se olvido. Se acabo. Finish. But guess what? When you start loving God, you couldn't care less. You couldn't care less. You say, Sister Amy, then I don't love God. No, no, I'm talking about me loving God. You understand? Individually. If the Lord said your whole paycheck, I'd give it to him. I have no problems with that. Says oh, says but we have necessity. Listen, if God asks you for the whole paycheck, it's because somewhere on the curve or in the wave or in the snowflake, there's a double portion coming for you. God never asks you for anything in which He's going to bind you up. And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not proclamating this today. You make your decision. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're madly in love, you have no problems. You have no problems. Sometimes my kids used to say, Mom, I need five bucks. We're going out tonight. And I used to say, in my mind, Cinco pesos no da para nada. And I always handed them 10 or 15. Oh, my, I didn't need it so much. They always took it. <laughs> never turned it back and never bought me a present with it. Okay? But what was, what was the matter with me? Was I being... No, I love them and I want to make sure that they have everything they need. Until the day of today, I feel the same way. Because I love them. And there's something sick about love. Say amen. amen. There's something good about love. When you know somebody loves you, ay, ay, dale el mundo entero. But the real love is God's love. So when you think in terms of love, how easy it is. When you have faith in God, and it's the only way to have access to God. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Would you just take a half a second, a half a minute rather, tell God how much you love him. Just tell him, just tell him, just tell him. Just tell him how much you love him. Lord, I love you. I love you. 
I love you, Lord. Just tell him how much. That's all. That's all. Just tell him how much you love him. Would you be willing to give your life for him? Would you be willing to just live with a smile on your face for him forever? Would you be willing to let the world see in your face and in your life that you believe? Amen.